folks, welcome back to another episode of the Ubuntu Security Podcast. I'm Alex Murray. This week we are going to have a bit of a look at uh, some recently announced new hardware vulnerabilities in Intel processors, uh, Hertzbleed and MMIO stale data uh, issues. So we will get into that in a bit, but we will do the usual roundup of security fixes that have gone into supported Ubuntu releases over the past week. This week there were 64 unique CVEs addressed by the team, and up first was an update for the CA Certificates package. This is for uh, all the stable supported releases, that's 18.04 and 20.04 long-term support and 21.10. Uh, 22.04, the most recent uh, LTS already has this. This updates uh, to the latest uh, 2.50 version from the Mozilla uh, Certificate Authority bundle. So uh, this essentially is uh, the certificate store that is used by you know, all the main browsers and various crypto libraries and things on your machine when validating other certificates that it sees on the internet as to whether they are you know, valid and signed by a trusted authority. So this is essentially all the different uh, trusted authorities that your machine will trust. In particular, that then removes a bunch of expired uh, certificates that used to be there, plus uh, an old but still valid GeoTrust certificate and a bunch of others as well. It also adds some new uh, certs from Global Trust, Certum, and Global Sign as well. So yeah, it's more up to date now. We also had an update for GhostScript for our 604 extended security maintenance customers. Uh, this was discussed actually back in episode 158. This update, uh, and now yeah, we've backported that for those customers as well. Varnish Cache was updated for uh, four different CVEs for Ubuntu releases 18.04 and 20.04, 22.04 long-term support respectively, and 21.10. Uh, thanks to uh, Luis Infante Camara for preparing, testing, and providing the dev disks for these. Varnish is a package that is in the universe component of the Ubuntu archive and uh, is supported by the community. And so, yeah, thank you, Luis, for preparing these. Uh, in this case, uh, the four different CVEs were both possible uh, HTTP 1 and HTTP 2 request smuggling attacks that could be mounted. Uh, there's also a denial of service that could be triggered through an assertion failure, depending on the behavior of the client. Plus, also an issue with a pointer that would uh, essentially store data for one client, uh, would then get reused on the next if both were sharing the same connection. And as such, you could expose information uh, about the old client to the new one. So they've been fixed for Varnish. Uh, similarly, uh, Luis also provided updates for FFmpeg for uh, the same Ubuntu releases. That's 18.04, 20.04, and 22.04 long-term support in 21.10. Uh, this updates uh, FFmpeg to the latest upstream bug fix releases and fixes uh, along the way 35 different CVEs as a result. Uh, depending on which FFmpeg version you're using there, you have you know, a subset of these, but yeah, there's a huge amount. Uh, so that's 4.4.2 for the more recent releases, 21.10 and 22.04 for Ubuntu, uh, 4.2.7 for 20.04 for long-term support, and 3.4.11 for 18.04 long-term support. Uh, Firefox was also updated to the latest upstream released, 101.0.1. Uh, this fixes 12 different CVEs, and again, for our Ubuntu releases, 18.04 and 20.04 long-term support, and 21.10. Uh, as you're probably aware, Firefox in 2204 long-term support is now a snap, so it gets updated automatically. This is a usual mix of different issues that we see in web browsers and web frameworks. Uh, in particular, you know, if an attacker were to trick you into visiting a specially crafted website, they could then potentially mount attacks to then uh, cause denial of service and crash your browser. Uh, they could also potentially you know, leak sensitive information from you. Uh, they could spoof the browser UI and trick you into undertaking certain actions that you didn't realize you were doing. Uh, they could conduct cross-site scripting attacks, bypass content security policy restrictions, or potentially execute arbitrary code. 
Uh, Liblui was updated as well. Uh, this is a Braille translation library instead of utilities. Haven't actually, I don't think I've covered this package before in the podcast, so a bit of a new one for me. But um, two different CVEs fixed here again for 1804 and 204 long term support, 2204 long term support, and 2110. In this case, uh, a buffer overflow was able to be triggered uh, that could lead to a crash and denial of service as well. A possible out of bounds write uh, that could be triggered uh, again through crafted input and again leading to a crash, denial of service, or possible remote code execution. Uh, another one for our 604 extended security maintenance customers is an update for rsync. I actually talked about this vulnerability back in episode 156 and it's actually an issue in a Zlib, not directly in rsync itself, but rsync does include Zlib uh, in that old release. In this case, it was a memory corruption issue that could uh, occur when compressing uh, input data. So as such, if you're compressing uh, untrusted uh, data, you could potentially get code execution in rsync on the client. Uh, what else? Uh, an NCURSA's um, set of vulnerabilities as well were fixed. Six different ones here for our extended security maintenance customers for both 1404 and 1604 extended security maintenance. Uh, various set of memory corruption issues were fixed here. Uh, this would require the user to process crafted input files. Uh, so even things like you know, your term cap files. However, term cap is usually trusted. You know, etc. Term cap doesn't you know, normally list, live anywhere else. And so, you know, most of these were rated a negligible priority as a result, being unlikely to be triggered in practice, but it's been fixed as well. And, uh, another one for our 604 extended screen maintenance customers is an update for Util Linux. In this case, there was a memory leak in the libblockid library that could be triggered when parsing crafted MS-DOS partition tables. And finally, we had an update for PHP for our 1804, 2004, 2204 long-term support releases and 2110. Uh, two different issues here. Both of these were in the handling of crafted inputs into different database drivers, one for the Postgres driver and one for the MySQL driver. Uh, in Postgres, there was an uninitialized variable in the driver there. In that case, it could lead to a user after free under certain error conditions and therefore possible remote code execution. However, in the MySQL driver, uh, there was a buffer overflow in the password handler for uh, the MySQL native driver. In this case, a rogue MySQL server could trigger that to then get uh, code execution in your PHP. Uh, so if your PHP is connecting to untrusted MySQL servers, I guess you're a bit safer now, but probably you aren't connecting it to untrusted MySQL in the first place. But hey, there we go. That's also been fixed as well. And that is it for the week in security updates. So the other thing that I wanted to have a brief look at this week was uh, this recent news on the latest set of Intel uh, security issues that have been announced. Uh, in this case, uh, their Hertzbleed and the MMIO stale data buffer issues, they were both disclosed this week. Hertzbleed uh, is this, I guess, interesting new crypto side channel attack. Uh, and it's been demonstrated against one of the more uh, hardened uh, ciphers out there, super singular isogeny key encapsulation or psych. Uh, it's one of these new post-quantum key encapsulation mechanisms. Uh, so essentially this attack turns what is a frequency side channel into a timing side channel. So probably a lot of people are familiar against timing side channels against crypto algorithms and the way that uh, you're meant to, I guess, um, make sure that your crypto algorithms are resistant against those is to implement constant time code. In this case, the researchers found that uh, they could essentially turn frequency changes that uh, Intel processors and others do as a result of, you know, say different power consumption amounts and the like into a timing side channel because uh, different code would run in different time depending on how much, say, power it was using. And then they could infer uh, things like the data that was being processed as a result. That then means if you can measure essentially the time that it takes to do certain things, you can then infer what the actual secret key is in the case of, say, crypto systems, and therefore be able to leak the key over time. 
Uh, often these things take many, many measurements. That's why it's called a side channel, not like a direct sort of leak of the key, but you have to kind of infer the key based on what you're seeing. And often you, know, you need lots of different results or lots of different measurements to be able to infer that. Uh, so these things are you know, very low bandwidth channels that you have to kind of obtain this information. It can often take hours or even days uh, in the case of you know, really noisy systems, but it is still really interesting research. Uh, and I guess the interesting thing here is that because of dynamic uh, voltage and frequency scaling, they're able to turn what is uh, this frequency side channel into a timing side channel and then use traditional timing side channel kind of attack techniques against it. It's been acknowledged by both Intel and AMD, but likely all modern processors that employ dynamic frequency and voltage scaling are affected and could be, uh, I guess, attacked in the same way. Uh, it's interesting, this one, uh, Intel have released guidance essentially on how to harden crypto implementations against it. They haven't released things like you know, kernel updates or microcode updates or the like to change the behavior of the processor or you know, the system. Uh, so really, it's going to be up to different uh, crypto libraries to assess if they're affected and then potentially refactor themselves or implement these different bits of code uh, accordingly. The, so uh, yeah, there's that one. Plus, there's the MMIO stale data issues. Uh, these are vulnerabilities in memory mapped IO or MMIO. Uh, they're generally only applicable to a virtualization when untrusted guests have access to memory mapped IO. So if you, you know, if your system's not one of those, or you know, you aren't doing virtualization, or you are doing virtualization, but it's only trusted uh, machines that you're running there, are uh, not probably one uh, to worry about as much here. Unlike other uh, things that we've seen in the past, it's not itself a transient execution attack. But essentially what happens here is starter uh, is able to persist in microarchitectural buffers and that can then be inferred by a subsequent transient execution attack. So think things like the original Spectre attacks and the like could be used to infer this data. So CPUs consist of a series of different uh, various microarchitectural buffers and registers where essentially stale data was found could be left after being copied and moved. And you can then essentially sample that via a transient execution attack to infer the values. Now, different processor models have different microarchitectural buffers internally, and so some may or may not be affected by these vulnerabilities. Uh, it's not all processors, and in fact, uh, you know, lots of the different sort of server-level Xeon processors are not affected by these. Uh, to fix them, it does require fixes uh, in both the kernel and microcode packages. Uh, kernels have already been released, and so by the time you hear this, you've already probably got kernel updates waiting uh, that you can uh, update to and reboot into. Microcode is also being updated. Uh, that's currently sitting in uh, the updates pocket for Ubuntu, and that will go into the security pocket early next week, uh, just waiting for it, I guess, to be fully phased in updates before we do publish that one to security. So yeah, uh, likely early Monday next week, all the different bits will be available in the security pocket if you're not using the updates pocket uh, to update to, and I guess protect yourself against these if needed. Uh, if not, yeah, you can certainly pull those out of the updates pocket in the meantime. All right, uh, so yeah, a bit of a brief overview of those. I will uh, go into some more detail on them in next week's episode, but just thought given how, I guess, topical they are and now that the updates have just gone out, uh, that's why I haven't covered them in more detail uh, earlier. They've only just gone out, but yeah, we will cover that in more detail next week. So something to look out for then. All right, thanks everyone for listening again for another week. I will be back again with you all next week. Uh, in the meantime, if you want to get in contact with us, you can email the team at security.ubuntu.com. We do hang out in the Ubuntu security channel on libera.chat, the awesome IRC network, and we are on Twitter too, at Ubuntu underscore sec as well. All right, stay cool everyone. Remember, keep calm because we've got your back and I'll speak to you soon. Bye.